great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Happy New Year to you all as well. Now, as I was preparing for this preach, I was flicking through an old Bible. And as I was doing so, I found something that um, uh, I'd totally forgotten about, to be honest. So uh, we used to, to go, uh, we were, uh, lived in Manchester for six or seven years, Emma and I. And when we were up there, we went to a church up there that every year used to do these things. Uh, and they used to call it Bring It On. And we'd have to write, bring on, and then the year. So I found my one from 2010. Bring on 2010. This was it. And then inside here, you'd have to write all of the things that you were praying for for yourself. And then Overleaf, you'd write all the things that you were praying for for the church and for the city. And it seemed quite apt that I found this, uh, uh, something I'd written a decade ago. And life a decade ago looked very different for Emma and I. We'd been married for about six months. There's a photo there of our wedding day, mostly just to prove that I had hair at one point, so you can see there. I did have some. Um, but uh, we were also uh, leading a life group, and I'd written in my, uh, in my little book here that I was praying for that life group and wanting to see that uh, flourish. Uh, I had a job at a bank that I knew I was going to get made redundant from. The banking crisis in 2008 meant that a uh, whole swathe of people got made redundant, and the whole division that I was part of was part of that. So I knew 2010 was going to be a bit of a weird year for me in terms of job transition. My office is actually in that photo there somewhere. Um, so that's where I used to work, in the middle of Manchester. Uh, it was also the year that we got a cat. Uh, that's him. And we've had... Uh, a whole decade now of a moody creature lurking around our house. And if you've ever met him, you'll know uh, he's not to be toyed with. He might look sweet there, but uh, he really is not. Uh, the decade uh, 2010 to 2020 has actually seen quite a lot of change for us. We moved down uh, to Dorset. It was uh, Emma graduated in 2011 and got a job as a dentist in Swanage. And I was looking to break into a career in journalism, and my head was telling me, you do not move to Swanage if you want to be a journalist. That's where journalism goes to die, right? That's, uh, that's not a good place to go and be a journalist. So I was actually quite sceptical about our move down to Dorset. I, I thought Manchester was somewhere that might be better for my career. And we had a really key word from God. Um, that God had some work planned for us down here in Dorset, and that this move wasn't a move that was career-related, but was a move that was God-related, uh, which was great. And we can look over the last 10 years, and actually God's proved incredibly faithful to us. His word for us in Manchester has come to pass. I've got good, fulfilling work here. Uh, we've had kids, made friends, a new church, one that I've even become an elder at, and I don't think 2010 Nathaniel would have seen that coming at all. Um, it's not all been plain sailing for us over the last decade. Far from it, actually. As a family, we've had some lows, uh, and some of those I've shared with you before, but much more I can testify to God's faithfulness to us over a decade since I wrote that. And I've actually had a go at writing Bring On 2020, uh, and I've had a go at writing some things in there. Hopefully you've, you will agree that my uh, artistry's improved in the last 10 years. <laughs> as well. But I've had a go at writing some things in there that I would love to see come to pass and some things that I'm going to be praying for in 2020. And there's some personal things in there. I'd love to be healed in 2020. I'd love to have my kids come to know Jesus in 2020. Uh, but there's also some things in here that I'd love to see for us as a church. And actually, writing this has been really helpful uh, in helping me prepare my preach because some of the things I've written in here are some of the things that I'm going to be talking to you about this morning. So in 2019, uh, the word we had from God was the word more. We felt that God was calling us to more in 2019. And I think, I hope you can agree when I, I say that we've seen that. We've seen God be faithful to us in, in the times that we've asked for more over the last year. We had our more prayer series that got us praying more. At 502, we've had more people 
in the last year than we did the year before. We've got more members. We've got more links with our community. We've got some midweek groups that started in 2019 that have had more people coming into our building. 2019 truly was a season of more for us. I actually believe that God has grown us an awful lot spiritually in the last, dec- in the last year as well. As we've been asking and praying for more, I hope you'll agree that God's been faithful in that. So at Gateway Church, for us as elders, we feel that the word that's going to sum up our 2020 is faithful. Faithful. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, faithfulness. And I wonder what that word faithful means to you. Here's what the Oxford English Dictionary says about faithful. It means remaining loyal and steadfast, remaining loyal and steadfast. But to understand what it means to be a faithful Christian, you don't go to the Oxford English Dictionary, you go to the Bible and you go to God. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning. See, the first thing you have to understand when you're looking at the word faithful is that God is faithful. God is faithful. To understand faithfulness, we must understand that God is faithful. It's in his character to be totally faithful and loyal and steadfast. And there are many, many reasons that we know this. The first of which is that the Bible points to his faithfulness time and time again, both in word and in deed. Let's have a look at some of those words first. Here's some verses for you up on the screen. Deuteronomy 32 says, I'll proclaim the name of the Lord. I'll praise the greatness of our God. He's the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Paul tells the church in Corinth, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul again to the church in Thessalonica, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Time and time again, the Bible tells us God is faithful. From the very beginning, God has proved faithful in calling Abraham, marking out a people for himself and protecting them time and time again, story after story in the Old Testament. And if you've been going through your CBR reading in the last year, we've been reading through some portions of the Old Testament, and you'll see this pattern of the Israelites continually failing to do what God's telling them, and God continually rescuing them, proving himself faithful time and time and time again. God made a way for people to be with him. And moreover, in the Old Testament, we get prophecies about the one who will come and redeem mankind forever. And now we know that to be Jesus, God's son who came to earth to act as a propitiation. That means to atone for mankind and all that we've done wrong, proving God's faithfulness in the process. How do we know God's faithful? He sent his son so that we might know him now and forever. He's faithful to us. One commentator puts it this way, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he said and fulfill what he's promised. He can be relied upon and he will never prove unfaithful to those who trust what he has said. Indeed, the essence of true faith is taking God at his word and relying on him to do as he has promised. God is faithful. It's who he is. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we've got an eternity of God's faithfulness to enjoy. And that doesn't start in heaven, that starts now. God is faithful to us. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, and Matt read a portion of it earlier for us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. God fulfills his promises to us, and we can trust in God as the one who is loyal and steadfast all the time. He can't do anything other than be faithful because faithfulness is in his character. It's who he is. That means we can have faith that God's promises will always be true for us. We can have faith that through Jesus, God is faithful to us now and forever. How comforting is that? Knowing that we've got somebody in 2020 who will never let us down and never leave us. And we all know what it's like, don't we, to be let down by somebody. It might be something quite trivial like making a plan with a friend and having that plan fall through. Or it might be something a lot more serious. Maybe you've been let down by a parent or a friend or even a husband or wife. You can feel the pain of it and know what it's like to have trust broken. But that's never, ever true of God. He's never going to leave us or forsake us or break a promise or prove untrustworthy. So if you put your trust in him, he will be faithful forever. God's word promises that to us, and that's God's promise to you this morning. He will be faithful to you this year. In 2020, many things are going to change. For some of us here, jobs might come and go. People will die. Babies will be born. Some of us might even move house. It might even be the year that Brexit happens, eh? That might be a change. But one thing we can rely on in 2020 is that God will be faithful. The second way that we know that God's faithful is because we've experienced his faithfulness ourselves. We've got testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to us. As I was talking earlier about 2019 and what that's meant for us at Gateway Church, we can look around and see the faithfulness of God displayed. And this year, we need to share more testimonies of God's faithfulness as a continual reminder that God is faithful in spite of the daily grind of life. I've actually asked Angie to come and share just two minutes of her testimony, her story about how God has been faithful to her. And she's going to explain a little bit more because I want to get us used to sharing testimony with one another this year that God is faithful to us. I haven't got much voice. Um, Leading up to last week's toast and testimony morning, I had a sense that I wanted to say something about the theme of God's faithfulness, but I didn't get around to doing it. I was also thinking about the many years I spent in this church in my life. I arrived last Sunday, not in the best of health, but I was so glad to be there, to hear that this year's theme is faithful, and also to hear that Norma, one of my Sunday school teachers, had been at Gateway, Older Road, for 60 years. Now it's 2020, I can tell you, and actually prove it, that Older Road, Gateway, has been my church for 50 years This book is my first Sunday School Prize of 1970. (laughs) It's got some really twee prayers in it, um, but it proves that I've been here 50 years. Um, When I think about faithfulness, the most obvious illustration really is from marriage, not that I've personally had that experience. But even yesterday, a man in Waitrose told me that he'd been married for 63 two years. For me, faithfulness is about making promises and keeping them, acknowledging when you've messed up and putting it right, not walking away when things get tough, 
always remembering the commitment that you've made however many years ago and remaining true to it. Being honest when there are times when things, people and distractions of the world seek to tear us away from being faithful. I've learned what it is to be a family by being part of this church for virtually my whole life. There have been some very tough times, there's no doubt about that, but I'm glad I'm still here and want to continue to serve God and be faithful in this place as long as he leads me. Over the years, I've met many former members of Older Road in Gateway and they've sometimes expressed astonishment that I'm still in the same church. More than once, people have suggested that surely it's all a bit stale now. But whether we stay in one church or God clearly directs us elsewhere, Christian life should never get stale because we worship a living God who is faithful and still speaks and moves today through the power of the Spirit. I read a blog the other day and the guy said, it's easy to feel ashamed for living a boring life of faithfulness to an ancient God a life defined by a quiet pursuit of holiness and humility. But we shouldn't feel discouraged by our ordinary lives of faithfulness, for the fruit of our ordinary faithfulness in this temporary life is everlasting joy. True fulfillment is found in an ordinary life of serving an extraordinary God, not an extravagant life of novel distraction. But more important to my being faithful to this church is my faithfulness and commitment to Jesus. I know that I serve a completely trustworthy, faithful, loving and awesome God. In my own strength and weakness, I'm acutely aware of at the moment, it's not always easy to remain faithful. But I still stand by the words of the hymn that we sang when I was baptised in 1983. And I'm just going to read the the first and the last verses. O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side, nor wander from the pathway if thou wilt be my guide. O let me see thy footmarks, and in them plant mine own. My hope to follow duly is in thy strength alone. O guide me, call me, draw me, uphold me to the end, and then in heaven receive me, my saviour and my friend. We serve a faithful God. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much, Angie. And I, I want to hold Angie up to you. You know, I've known her. I've been in this church eight plus years now, and she has been faithful. You know, she is somebody who, who I, would, I would look to as an example of faithfulness, along with many other here, others of you here uh, at the church. Um, and uh, Angie's testament to the fact that we've got many, many stories of God's faithfulness to share. And I'm hoping over this year, more and more of you will come up here and share how God's been faithful to you, because that's how we spur one another on. Actually, the next verse in Hebrews that I read to you earlier, the next verse in that passage says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How do we spur one another on? By sharing testimony of God's faithfulness. 
That's encouraging, isn't it? As Angie was speaking, I was encouraged. 50 years at Gateway Church, and still she can stand up and say, hey, those 50 years haven't all been easy, but God is faithful. We need to point one another towards Jesus by sharing testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness towards us. So that's, that's our first point this morning. God is faithful. So if God is faithful, what about us? Well, we should be faithful as God is faithful. God calls us to be faithful. Matt spoke at our tea and testimony last Sunday and pointed to Abraham's call from God in Genesis. God said, I am the God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Faithfulness isn't just something that we enjoy. It's something that we should mirror back to God. God calls us to walk right and faithfully with him. And Jesus tells a parable recorded in Matthew 25 about bags of gold. And I want to read it for you quickly. It's not up on the screen, but if you want to follow along, it's on page 994 of the Bibles in front of you. Page 994, the parable of bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to, the, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. Also, the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I, that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I've received it back with interest to take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have what they have will be taken from them and thrown that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. So the first thing I want to just say very quickly is that you shouldn't get caught up with the fact that these people were, were servants, that servant-master terminology used there. Jesus isn't advocating a master-slave society in this story. He's merely using it as an analogy that many in his culture would have been familiar with. We're looking at a culture where the servant-master relationships were common for a variety of reasons. So Jesus is using culture here to tell a story, much in the same way that we do when we stand up and preach. Some versions also call these bags of gold talents. And actually, for the purposes of this morning, it can be quite helpful in thinking about how that applies to us, whether it's about the talents that God's given us or the things that we're good at or our money, gold. So then to the story, three people with varying amounts of gold or talents who were entrusted to keep their master's business going while he was away. 
there was a lot of money they were entrusted with and multiplying it wasn't as simple as buying stocks and letting it build up. It would have involved a lot of work to invest and trade and sell and sow and plant to make more. The first two men were faithful in what they'd been called to. And they hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. However, the third buries his gold in the dirt and doesn't increase it at all. And his master's not pleased. And he saves his harshest words for him. This story is often used to talk about how we should be faithful to God with what God's given us. As the servants were given gold, we've been blessed by God with a number of gifts and talents and finances and homes and more. And God is asking us to use these things that we've got to advance his kingdom. You see, you and I are about a greater work than just the day job we currently have. We might work at universities, that's where I work, or hospitals or banks. But Jesus was clear to his disciples, and I believe he's clear to us today too, that our first charge is to God. We're to make disciples, to advance God's kingdom, and to serve him with all we've got. Not because we're enslaved to God, but because God has blessed us beyond measure, saving and rescuing us from a punishment we deserved in hell, and giving us the inheritance of sons and daughters, salvation and faithfulness, and all that comes with it. As such, our joy, it's our joy to be caught up in God's great plan for the world. And we do that where we are with the talents that we've been given. Even looking around this morning, we've been blessed with people's gifts. We've got an excellent team of musicians who served us this morning as we sang. We've got people who are excellent in hospitality, welcoming us on the door. People gifted in working with our children who are out there right now telling them about Jesus. We've given our money in the offering to be faithful in that area as well. So my question to you is this. What's your talent? What's God given you that he's calling you to be faithful with this year? What gifts do you have that can be used for his glory this year? How can your finances and your homes and the things that God has given you be used for his glory? My heart for us as we look to be faithful in 2020 is that we'd be faithful to one another and faithful to our town and that this would be an all-play activity. I'd love to see 100% of people here at 502 playing their part, serving and helping and supporting and sharing life together, supporting one another and seeing God's kingdom advance beyond this building to the town around us. And there are three practical ways that I believe we can do this, and I just want to outline them very quickly for you. The first way that I believe that we can be faithful in 2020 is in the church here among us. If you're starting to look small, in what faithfulness might look like, and dip your toe into being faithful this year, then one key area you can help the church in being faithful this year is in serving. We've got a number of responsibilities here at 502, without which our Sunday mornings just wouldn't happen. And I'm so grateful to the people who do serve week in, week out to help make our Sundays what they are. The people on kids, or the people at the back here who make sure that you can hear me well now, or make sure that the words keep going so that we can keep singing. In 2020, one way we can be faithful to one another is continued service. And if you're not serving already, that's a great place to start. There's a number of vacant slots that need filling, actually, so come and talk to me at the end if you'd like to support us here on a Sunday morning. That's a great way that you can be faithful and help us out in 2020. The second one perhaps requires a little bit more work and a little bit more thinking, and that is for us to be faithful in our city or in our town. The second way we can be faithful is to our town. God is here. Uh, God has us here for a reason. I believe that. God's got us here specifically for a reason. We're to be a light to the town that we're in, to show God's love 
to people in word and in deed. And it's not hard to see the need around us. Did you know that in 2019, uh, Paul High Street was found to be the UK's fastest declining high street? There's a story about it. You can go and read it there from November, a company that found that uh, shops were closing at a faster rate than any other high street, that money wasn't going through the town at the rate that it is in other towns. Perhaps even more worrying for us in Ashley Road, uh, there was another uh, article that was written that was talking about the rise in antisocial behaviour and a drug culture and homelessness on Ashley Road. And actually, we've been a site here on Ashley Road for, uh, for four years now, and we've seen the need, haven't we? We've seen people come in because they're cold and need a coffee and they're hungry and they sit on the benches outside. The, the need around us is stark. We, we can see that. I read these articles last year and honestly, I was really moved by them. This is our patch. This is our part of town. We're on Ashley Road right now. This is the bit that God's given us to bring about his kingdom and it's in decline. Homelessness and drug misuse and prostitution and loneliness abuse, empty shops, and bankrupt businesses. And I actually feel a really specific burden for this one, that we could and should be doing more in this area to be a light for the community that we're in. There are a couple of really, really practical things that we can do. The first of which is to spend your money in pool. If the high street's declining and if the shops are emptying, then one way to stop the decline is for us to spend our money in them. And please don't mishear me, I'm not advocating that we all go out and empty our pockets and and throw our money about uh, spuriously. But actually, we all need to buy groceries and fix our cars and buy presents and go and meet one another for coffee and beer and whatever else we do. And actually, when we do that, we can do that here. We can do that in pool. That's a good way that we can serve the place that we live. We can choose places that will have more of a gospel impact to the town that we're in. As two sites, we've got around 300 people represented each Sunday, and that's 300 people who could make a real difference to where we live. There's a chap in America called Donny Griggs. You should know him. He's been here before a couple of times uh, and spoken to us. He's a great friend of the church and leads an advanced church in North Carolina. He also wrote this book. It's called Small Town Jesus, and it's an absolutely excellent book for anybody who's thinking about what it means to be a church in a town context. He's got a church of over 1,000 people across four sites, and the town that they're based in has actually only got 9,500 people in it. Think about those sorts of numbers. Wouldn't you like to see that sort of percentage represented in Gateway Church on a Sunday morning? Read this book. It's incredibly inspiring. And in this book, he talks about loving the area that God has called us to, serving it and spending our money in shops and restaurants, being good tippers, getting to know the local people, what they like, what they eat, what music they listen to, and to take time to talk to them, to find out where the need is, and to work to be a blessing in our town. In the book, he says, God has sent us to the towns we live in to be a blessing. This is why we should be the best locals we can be. Love where you live and serve where you live. Let everyone know that you really care about them, whether they come to your church or not. Let integrity, generosity, and compassion be something the whole town cannot escape when they're around you or the folks in your church. We should love our town, love where God has us, and see it as a part of our job to redeem it for Jesus. There's also more that we can be doing, and, and if you've got a specific heart for this one, there's a couple of groups that... Uh, one of which that that Matt mentioned earlier that I'd like to highlight. 
there's many ways that the church is actually doing this already, helping the poor, whether physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Whether it's Mums the Word that takes place here during the week, supporting mums, little gators for the tots, the senior company or gatherers, which looks to support the older members of our community. We've got the work of Oasis working in a local domestic abuse refuge or Lifetime working with those who have got additional learning needs. This year, uh, one of my co-elders, uh, Richard Stamp, is bringing all of, the, all of that church activity together under one banner called Gatehouse, and that's the Friday morning life group that Matt mentioned. Gatehouse is going to be bringing all of this work together as a way of pooling resource and sharing good practice. It's going to support all of our outreach activity and help give a focus to what we're doing as a church as we look to work in all of these areas to redeem the place that we live. Through these ministries, we're doing lots of good together, packing a punch for the gospel and bringing light into the dark places of our town. And if you're interested in any of these ministry areas and have got a heart for some of these groups, please do come and find me at the end. I'd love to talk to you and set you up with Richard or one of the social action team leaders. And we can get you serving in one of these areas because it's a really key way that as a church, we help to support and bless the town that we live in. Yeah, please do come and talk to me about that one. If you've got a particular heart for homelessness, we've got other things that we can set you up with. There's a, uh, an organization called Street Pastors that actually have set up a, a, regular, um, a regular walk up and down Ashley Road to help support homelessness here on Ashley Road. We've got great links with an organization called Michael's House as well. So if you feel particularly burdened for one of these groups, then there's plenty of ways that we can get you set up to help be faithful to the town that we live in. Finally, the one way that I believe we really need to continue to be faithful in 2020 is in sharing the gospel. See, we can work hard in these ministry areas and we can go and we can spend our money and listen to people and get to know them. But ultimately, we need to work harder to share the gospel and see people saved. Jesus' great commission to his disciples before ascending to heaven was for them to make disciples of all nations. And this is something we still believe to be true of us at Gateway Church in 2020. We've got many opportunities this year to invite our friends to church or to related activities. And as we move through the church diary, there'll be other opportunities throughout the year, things like Taste the Nations and Spring Fairs and Christmas Fairs and all the other things that we do as a part of our church calendar. And they're nice things to do, but ultimately they're so that we can get people into this building and tell them about Jesus. The ultimate way that our town is redeemed is through the gospel and people saying no to their old lives and yes to a life with Jesus, having their old desires swapped with desires to be more like him. So we mustn't compromise in sharing what we believe about Jesus when we've got the opportunity. It's easy to say, but it's actually much harder to do. Much like those bags of gold in the parable that Jesus told, it's actually much easier to take your bag and bury it in the ground because you're fearful than it is to work hard and toil to multiply it. But we've been charged with making disciples, multiplying our number, and seeing people added to this church. And that's one of the things in my Bring On 2020. I want to see more people sitting among us at, at 502 this year. I'm going to be actively praying for the problem of running out of chairs this year. So I'm hoping you'll join me in praying for that. Wouldn't it be good to see us have so those sorts of problems, you know? This building can fit more people in than we've got right now, so let's be praying and actively working towards getting more people into this building. This year, in 2020, I want to be faithful in opportunities I've got to tell people about Jesus as well. I want to have people from our town, my friends, my colleagues, my family, standing alongside me here on a Sunday morning. 
And that will only happen if I'm faithful in telling them about Jesus and my faith. And if you want the same for your friends and colleagues and family, then it's one thing to pray for them, but it's another thing to start telling them about Jesus. We've actually got people here among us this morning who are here because at some point, somebody in this church told them about Jesus. This year, let's make a decision to be on the front foot with sharing the gospel. Let's be faithful in it. I want to ask you, what are you going to do to be ready when the time comes to tell someone about what you believe? This is how we'll see our area redeemed, and this is one way that we can be faithful in 2020. And this is the way that we'll see our church grow. Ultimately, when I come face to face with Jesus one day, I want to hear those same words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I hope that that's your desire as well. You're not here at Gateway Church to make up the numbers so that it looks good on the spreadsheet Sunday after Sunday. You're here because God's got a great plan for us in 2020. And I want to ask you to stand with me and be faithful in it. I want to know that what I did during my time on earth, that what, that what I did uh, as much as I could, uh, that I did as much as I could with what, with what God entrusted me with, that I've not wasted my time or my talent in 2020, but that I've worked hard to use it for God's kingdom. We've got a whole year to display God's faithfulness to one another and to the world. He's been so faithful to us time and time again, and I'm so grateful to Andy for sharing something of her testimony. And I do want to hear more of your testimonies over this year. We've got testimonies of God's faithfulness to us. And it's now our time to display his faithfulness through what we do and how we show that faithfulness to others. He is faithful. And this year at Gateway Church, we believe faithfulness is what's going to mark us out. So let's be faithful to one another and let's be faithful with what God has given us. Let's be faithful with what God has called us to do. So as we finish, where are you going to play your part How are you going to be faithful with what God's given you in 2020? Where do you feel called to this year? Let me pray for us. I'll invite the band back as I do. But as we move into 2020, we'll find ourselves caught up in God's great mission and experience more of his faithfulness as we do so. When we will close our eyes, why don't you just take a moment to reflect on what we've been talking about, reflect on how you might be faithful this year, how you're being called to be faithful with the things that God's given you. Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful for the countless times in my life that you have proved yourself to be loyal and steadfast and trustworthy and faithful. I thank you that in spite of my best judgment, you gave me a word that that brought me here and that you've proved faithful time and time again since we've got here. I thank you that I can share that. And I thank you that so many of us here, all of us here have examples in our life from times that you have proved to be faithful to us. And this year, Lord, we want to ask, would you be faithful to us all the more? I thank you that it's who you are. It's in your character. You are faithful. It's what you're going to be to us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to stand up under that, to know that you're going to be faithful to us. And Lord, help us to display something of your faithfulness to others as we do so. Lord, I want to pray for myself, pray for my brothers and sisters here, that this year we would be faithful with what you've given us, faithful with what you've called us to do. 
that this year, 2020, would be marked out, uh, we'd be marked out as a people who know your faithfulness and are moved to action because you are faithful and we want to be faithful as you are faithful. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things among us this year. Lord, I want to run out of chairs this year. Lord, I want to become an integral part of our town this year. Lord, I want to see stories written about how the fate of Ashley Road and Paul has been turned around in 2020 because we've been working hard to display your faithfulness to those around us. Lord, these are big prayers, but I pray that you would be faithful in them. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand?